Hello, welcome to the Future Proof podcast from the north of England with Sarah Hall and Stephen Waddington. We'll be talking about what's hot and what's not on the internet in marketing, the media and public relations. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Stephen. So this is new. Absolutely. Trying an outside broadcast and we're here by Lake Bled in Slovenia. So for the last two days, we've spent, uh, sorry, we've spent the last two days at Bledcom the uh, conference, research conference that brings together practitioners and academics to talk about issues pertinent to modern practice. The conference this year has been focused on the world in crisis. How have you found it? It's been really interesting. I think, um, first off, it's the 25th anniversary, so it's a very special event this year, and it's a mark of uh, um, the depth of understanding and insight of the organisers that they managed to build such a fantastic community and develop it uh, to this extent over that time. But um, I think it's just brilliant that they've chosen a world in crisis as a topic this, this time round, because I do think we're in very unusual times. There's a huge amount of political turbulence, um, you know, we have Brexit that's coming. We don't know what that looks like still. We have, um, you know, Trump who, uh, well, what do we say about Trump? It's just, we don't know what's going to happen next. Every, every day is a new one. And uh, I, I just think it's really interesting to have discussed with all these people what the role of communicators is. So there was 180 people. I said it's a European conference. Actually, they, there was um, more than 30 countries represented from, from around the world, mainly academics, although a handful of, of practitioners uh, and quite a few number of people who strike, who cross both. Um, the um, brainchild, and if you like, the, the visionary for the event, uh, Dejan Vercic kicked off uh, on the first day and, and although it's the 25th anniversary this was the first time he'd done a keynote and he set the premise up of the conference really nicely by talking about um, some of the big issues affecting um, communicators um, first one being propaganda uh, and the fact that public relations can be used for good and many in practice the majority of practice focuses on good but equally it can be used for for bad which is an issue that's that's less uh, investigated i guess and that set the scene you know issues like climate change the tobacco lobby vaccines the political lobby um you know where uh, a certain assertive side of an argument is is put, put forward we focus on pr for good don't we Sarah? Um, we do, we're pretty guilty of that actually um, but actually there is a darker side and uh, we had a really interesting conversation over one of the dinners uh, where everybody gets together and you go to dinner and you get to mix with people that you wouldn't have otherwise done and brilliant for exchanging viewpoints uh, and one of the things that we discussed and actually it came back to something that Gareth Southgate um, was talking about when he was talking about how he's been training the team uh, for, the, for the World Cup and uh, he said something about not only have they practiced and they worked together and they've worked on their uh, working as a team, but also different skill sets like penalty shootouts. They've started to play as other uh, other countries play, so by, by slightly different rules, the, the rules that they wouldn't have naturally played by. And I thought that was a really interesting comment. And I think um, one of the discussions that we had with a gentleman called Craig Fleischer was that uh, as communicators, and certainly, like I say, we focus on, on communication as a force for good, uh, maybe we are sometimes caught off guard because we don't, we, we expect everybody to 
adhere to the same ethical standards that we do so we don't necessarily prep when actually that's not the case uh, and certainly I would say I'm guilty of that um, which is quite a nice segue into um, one of the sessions actually that we went to um, by a gentleman called he presented a paper um, Jacket Barlick and I'm, I apologize if I, if I get that pronunciation wrong but he works at the University of Warsaw and he talked about uh, sleeping with your enemies and what happens the day after and what was really interesting is that he spoke about how the sign of a maturity of a profession of a professional is that um, actually you engage with your adversaries uh, and um, how you treat them as one of your key stakeholders and, and, and I guess it's a whole old expression is you keep your enemy your friends close your enemies closer it's an interesting session yeah he, yeah that was a, a bit of a wake-up call wasn't it because it, it you know we're, we're used to polarizing uh, stakeholder groups particularly in a conflict situation I'm thinking about MNOs or situations of, of war um, but he called for you know um, called for treating stakeholders sorry treating your foe your enemy as a key stakeholder and direct and positive engagement yeah. you know go go straight to them be bullish so that's the second point that Dayan brought up was um, the dehumanization of, of warfare uh, and the f- I mean, these were just, these were thought starters. Uh, I'm dancing around here. We're in the gardens of the Villa Bled. I'm dancing around (laughs) red ants. Um, So if we have to interrupt this at some point, um, you'll know why. But there is literally uh, half a dozen red ants crawling across my notebook. Um, Back to Dayan and and, and the dehumanisation of warfare. Um, He talked about how um, strikes can be made from... Um, bunkers on one side of the world using um, technology and, and, and drone attacks and how that had created a dis- disintermediation in, in warfare. He didn't really draw out any conclusions from that just to say um, you know, uh, effectively wars are, 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 can be run at a level of uh, disintermediation where you know human capital is, is, is uh, removed almost from from the situation and the consciousness, uh, and asked us to to you know consider that as an issue. Migration was also cited uh, as a big issue affecting uh, governments and, and countries uh, around the world, and, and particularly sat in um, sat in Europe. Um, you know the 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 issues that. Uh, the European Union has, has faced it with uh, migration. In fact, in the last council meeting, um, Brexit was knocked off the agenda to a topic in the evening so that the ministers could focus on uh, a discussion around uh, dealing with the migration around uh, across Central Europe and, and in, into Italy. I was going to say one of the um, one of the things I found quite interesting, and that I heard from different conversations with different academics and researchers, was that you know we've talked in the past in this podcast about Cambridge Analytica uh, and Facebook and how potentially uh, voters might have been influenced um, in terms of their voting behaviour, and there, there was a complete lack of surprise from the community about that I had a few people talking about it certainly we discussed it at dinner too and I said and they were like well yes this is this is this has been very easy to do for a long time now yeah 
It's almost um, matter of fact, right? Y- yeah. So I, I was quite fascinated by that and that's, a bit shocked, actually. Well, so that's one of the interesting aspects of a conference like BLED, where you bring together academics and practitioners, academics focusing on, you know, investigating many of the areas going on around practice and stuff like that gets gets pointed out and, and you know, makes you realise that that uh, th- there is a bigger world going on around us than you know, necessarily the one that we f- focus on. Just come back to Dan and we'll finish off with the two uh, areas that he called us to think about. So uh, fragmentation of, of media and the weaponization, therefore, of, of media. So again, we focus in practice so much on the use of, of these new forms of media for good to enable organisations to engage with stakeholders, to build networks, to build communities. But equally... Now, we've seen in the last four or five years how they can also be used to, to promote fake news. Um, again, you know, a shocking number from the uh, European Communication Monitor that was it 12% of only 12% of organizations see and are, are, see fake news as an issue that they need to deal with. I think it was every only every fifth organization, right? Uh, and, and so that's 20%, okay, yeah, but no, it's pretty shocking, really. Uh, well, it is. I mean, yeah, it is because uh, because of the prevalence of, of um, fake news in, uh, in in networks like Facebook and Twitter, and the fact that these organisations are very firmly being called to account by legislators. We saw an announcement from Facebook acknowledging the fact that it was a media platform, um, and it needs to introduce editorial standards. And I think we've seen the first uh, sign of that where. I don't know if you've seen this in your feed yet, but I've seen media um, like The Guardian being tagged uh, and you can click into the tab and it gives you the background to, to, to the media organisation and almost its verification. Final thing that Diane covered was AI and the rise of machines. Um, there was a lot of conversations, a lot of sessions um, and papers at, at Bledcom about... Um, the emergence of AI and machines in, in practice and what that means for, for practice. It's still very early and, uh, and then, as a means of, sorry, it's very early uh, days in terms of uh, characterising what the impact might be, but it's uh, So we saw a great, research. we heard a great paper from Dr. Bowen of the University of South Carolina, and she spoke about how ethical concerns around the use of AI are being vastly overlooked. And she very clearly said that ethical frameworks were essential for assessing and advising management on, on these complex changes that are being brought by AI. Um, but again, like I say, nascent emerging technology and we're playing catch up and still don't really understand what yeah. it means and the impact. So reading a really interesting piece in um, Wired magazine yesterday talking about what it means for brands and how do you keep your brand voice uh, and your presence on there and manage that and actually in terms of so for example if you're doing your banking via Alexa for example who is the relationship with is it you know yeah. so, so we've Google already, or the bank yeah, okay so we've already we, yeah so Alexa uh, this class of home automation devices home assistant devices um, creates another level of disintermediation of the web and so there's two issues there firstly when you ask a question of um, a device like Alexa or Google Assistant or even Siri it's going to bring you back a single answer based on your social graph and your context in time and space um, whereas if you ask a question of a web browser you'll get you know as many answers as you prepared to click on um, so that's the first issue the second issue the brand disintermediation the fact that you're asking a question of a device uh, 
uh, and your you know your association uh, um, to brand is going to be the device rather than maybe the brand you're asking a, a question of. That was something you you you've picked up wide this weekend as well, haven't you? And, yeah. And, and um, um, again, you cited an example. You read out an example of, of WeWorks where um, the WeWorks brand WeWorks is a, a um, huge and uh, it's not even a startup anymore is it um, it's a rental space model it's quite an innovative model where you can buy space buy a desk or buy or an offices office. so they're now Our looking offices. at multinationals and offering them space and actually even going into multinationals and helping them with their culture and you know so the challenge, challenge there that this wired article cited uh, is the issue of the loss of brand identity, the loss of cultural identity of an organisation when because it you're moves absorbed into, into WeWorks, a, yeah, it moves into a heavily branded space. So there is there's something there. Similarly, you know, I've ordered a pair of underpants for Amazon, and you know, they come back. Uh, you, the first response you get is is um, is um, you know the non-branded versions provided by Amazon. Amazon is becoming a supplier of kit. Actually, the Amazon the the underpants one is a. Uh, 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 is 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 a bit jokey, but you know you can all, you can order all sorts of things from Amazon. Amazon becoming a manufacturer in its own right of unbranded products. Um, so yeah. Um, so uh, where are we going to go next? So the so, title of this event. Here's the thing. Title of this conference was a world in crisis. I fear, you know, and John White, Doctor John White, talked about this a lot. The fact that that. Um, there is a history of people gathering together in spaces like Bled to discuss big issues. Davos, I guess, is the big example. I don't feel, maybe I need to think and reflect on this a little bit longer, but I don't think we've come out of this conference with any big answers to the societal issues and the issues facing the public relations business, how the public relations business can help a world in crisis. Well, that's quite good because that, that brings us on quite nicely to our session. So, Well, sorry. Have you got any? How do you feel? Do you feel? Have you got no, any? I've, I've have felt you like had a moment of enlightenment? No, this? I no. think what would have been good is to have a discussion after our session that actually took the dialogue onwards. And what happened mm. is obviously there was we did our presentations and then there were questions. So Sarah and I both spoke on a panel with Craig, uh, an trying academic. To, yeah, um, I'm just trying to think of the the name of the other person was. And it was really good. Uh, a woman from NATO, comms director from NATO. Uh, about so it's Craig Fleischer um, who um, worked in America Barbara Maronkova who works for NATO and the two of us and then the moderator was uh, Krishnamurthy Shriramesh who um, you know is one of the founders from Singapore yeah yeah, who's who's helped bring this conference together uh, over the past few years and grow it so that was a good discussion about how each individually through our practice we are um helping organizations be purposeful and address their purpose in engaging with their um, with their publics so I was looking at my particular role was uh, the role of PR associations in my capacity as president of the CIPR so how do PR associations or how should they help a world in crisis and it was really it was an interesting and I have to say first off a big thanks to Alistair Macapra at the CEO our C, uh, at the CIPR our CEO who, who helped put the, the talk together and it, we, we started off by talking about the Royal Charter and um, how obviously that means that the CIPR is there for the public benefit 
Uh, and that as a term overlaps with lots of others such as public value and social value. But really, is there any clarity on what they mean and do they mean the same thing? So I talked about how PR can serve clients and wider society, how the professions in general can serve clients and society, and actually how this is the uh, expectations of wider society are changing, whether we like it or not. Um, and so my kind of talk went into professionalism and what that looks like and how probably in the past we, we know that we would, if we were professional, we would lose that title if we did something that broke the law, for example, or crossed an ethical boundary. But we would probably have done things that might have been a little bit blurry on the ethical scale um, if, you know, it was in our client's best interest. And actually that that is no longer acceptable to wider society. So think about um, Enron, think about Carillion, and more recently Bell Pottinger and Oxfam. Um, so we talked about that a little bit and actually talked about actually now society's expectations are, are much stronger um, of both business and the people advising them uh, and how pro-social approaches are being sought. So organisations looking for ways to deliver for clients that support, for example, the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals uh, and how um, South Africa, which is another great example, has taken a really early lead here and uh, it requires every company listed on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange to adopt integrated reporting so and of to course report on its relationships yeah so which is a whole different uh, way of doing it than keeping money at the forefront it's it does put people first and of course um it was just a great opportunity to reflect on what the cipr was doing uh and we are leading two really key projects um, and one is with the universities of vienna and munster which is focused on how PR professionals make choices and decisions under pressure. And that's all about strengthening our resilience in circumstances that could lead us into making bad decisions. And the other one is this bigger piece of work, which is uh, looking at the role of professions in modern society and how societal expectations are changing and how we adapt to meet them, because we, we, you know, we need to make sure that we evolve accordingly. Uh, and the other thing that was, I think was really interesting to cover, um, and Stephen can talk to this as well, is the uh, assessment of the impact of artificial intelligence on, on public relations activity and, and what this will mean over the next five years. And um, that has very clearly indicated that the future of our value delivery, and I think that value word is really important here, is about in, um, understanding context, um, in shaping complex hybrid solutions, and in particular in social responsibility. And, you know, ultimately it's professional judgment that will survive the drive for autom automation and really where we need to focus our professional development efforts. So it's back to what kind of the drum I've been banging all year in that PR is a strategic management function and that actually, you know, we have to be, you know, skilled enough to act as these strategic advisors who can command the ear um, of our management teams. And, and we've got to remember that, you know, this is really important and the ethical element is really important because we help organisations articulate their purpose. We help engage their stakeholders in that purpose and we ensure that the organisation creates public value. And as um, Professor Alan Gregory talks about, um, you know, she talks about that professionals, PR professionals should be the uh, eyes, ears and, and conscious of an organisation. And I know uh, Stephen will probably disagree with that in a moment and he talked about the role of agencies in uh, for, for a world in crisis but I, I actually really think that's very very important and ultimately my, my talk um, and this is where we didn't really get much further talked about um, what is happening in society already to help um, you know make sure that we do drive standards that, and, and, and move towards a kind of social value framework that people all understand and can buy into but we're certainly not there yet no and so I'd that's the I, I guess that's a uh, slight disappointment for me that we we haven't taken that on and maybe that's not the role of of 
a conference like BlegCon, maybe that conversation continues in the spaces around the conference uh, and around um, public relations discourse afterwards. Um, you know, I, the only build I'd have on that is this move towards purpose being, um, I've started to call it purpose washing, um, um, being something that organisations are seeking because they need, they realise they have to. Um, they realise that... And not a veneer, right? So not CSR. Not so so they're realising that, that you know, people don't necessarily buy what you do. Of course they do buy what you do. And we go, go to Amazon every day um, and you know, buy goods and, and services and go to supermarkets and such like. But actually they buy more importantly and becoming increasingly important is this issue of why you do it. But I mean, uh, for and example, why you do it can't be rooted I, in capitalist And values. I do love this... Well, it can. I think you know. I think you can ma- ma- uh, marry. Both. <laughs> Making money is a is an outcome of of running of a good organisation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Domino's is a perfect example of this in the US. I absolutely love it. You know, it it spotted that the roads it was delivering on full of potholes. So it has invested in filling those potholes based on saying that actually the quality of your pizza deteriorates when it doesn't you know tip up in ship shape fashion brilliant you know loads and loads of coverage you know people completely get it they're still getting their product they're doing good for society it just breeds brand loyalty and yeah. it's got them a whole heap of coverage it, yeah. it just shows you that you can marry uh, social purpose with business objectives to the benefit of all and that's the kind of thing i guess the direction of travel yeah to, to use a very easy analogy let's let's move this discussion on there, there was a couple of sessions about the role and perception of public relations um, and it appears that public relations has uh, is perceived as a far, far higher value profession by um, people under 35 than it is our generation and, and older and there was a couple of interesting sessions around that wasn't it? Oh there was one that I really really liked um, by a lady called Anna AD and again I hope I've pronounced that properly and she works at Quadriga University of Applied Sciences and she was talking her her talk was a PR memes and communicators perceptions and reflections of PR but she talked uh, very specifically about an exercise that she does with her students and um, she asks them when they start to um, say what they do what their parents think they do what their friends think they do what society thinks they do what they think they do but also what they actually do so they so it was really fascinating so she brings all these different perceptions together and they talk through it and actually lands it it's, it's very interesting that external perception is is very different to um the job itself which i, I don't think that is necessarily new to anybody no. uh, well, i mean i've struggled for years to to, you know, communicate what it is and to, to get my family to understand. And I still remember the day I told my nana that I'd been promoted from account exec to account manager and she was devastated because she thought I'd been demoted because to be an executive to my nana was like the best thing in the world. But, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. But that was really quite fascinating when you think about how we are trying to reassert ourselves as a strategic management function and actually the work that we still need to do. So, we you know, we're kind of there. We're working hard on that. Um, certainly within CIPR membership, that's our, our, our big drive this year in terms of helping professionalize further but you know it, there's, there's two bits of education to do in terms of uh, the world around us particularly those coming in the younger generation of talent uh, and secondly back to the business oh, I took and, out I took uh, out from employers. it that the younger generation was much more confident and much more assertive and you know they were starting to build on this this uh, academic you know the strength of academic background and research research behind them um, there was quite a lot of discussion and discourse around the value of, of 
PR degrees and PR degrees treat, um, and how they're treated in, in universities, there's still um, there's clearly this um, regard that, that um, public relations is seen as a cash cow um, for, for universities um, and hasn't got the same academic credence yet um, as other areas, uh, other disciplines. Um, I, I picked up on that. Maybe that's just people grumbling a little bit. Um, I wanted to finish this, this little segment, though, and talk about the um, relationship between academia and practice, because although there weren't that many practitioners, there's maybe a dozen uh, or so, there's quite a few people who uh, bridge both academia uh, and practice. I still don't think we've got that relationship right. Um, so well, for me practitioner got my own agency in northeast of england and i i it was it's so valuable being around people who think and will operate differently and uh really take very robust methods to analyze what we do uh, and what we should be doing and have very different thought processes and just being in the same room with those people is incredibly valuable i guess my problem was that some of it still is a little bit interminable impenetrable, impenetrable i was going to say yeah. uh, not <laughs> but um and, and that's the that's the bit we need to crack in terms of how do we do it and how do we get that group of people in the room more often because I'm thinking already differently from these two days and, and just being with different international perspectives as well is incredibly valuable. Yeah, and I think part of it is presentation uh, to make access to content like this content we've seen to, uh, over the last two days uh, more accessible. I think, I think the other thing is, is, is media. Um, you know, so um, I'm following what Richard Bailey's doing on his uh, PR Place media site because... Um, you know, he's trying to make that connection between um, academia and practice. Uh, you know, you're president of the CIPR this year. It's something I focused on in my well, um, my year as past president. Um, and I think it's you know the value exchange is clearly there, but the media and the presentation needs needs addressing. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been a, a great couple of days. Um, let's wrap up. Uh, Dayan called on us um, to, well, three outcomes, he said. Um, go invest in knowledge, challenge the role in, of, of public relations in what you do in the organisations that, that you serve. So be more assertive, take this opportunity uh, and promote dialogue. Um, working for you know the organisations that, that suit your purpose. I mean, that's, you know, those two things are a, a powerful call. Fantastic. It was good. We're being surrounded here. We better we better finish this. Um, the only <laughs> all of a sudden there's been a heap of insects have spotted that we're here and I think we're going to get eaten alive. But uh, shall we do a very quick roundup of what's coming up? Uh, well, yeah, tips. What have you got on well, this week? Well, I wasn't going to do tips. It was more yeah, to do with got... book, your, book your tickets. That's a tip. Book your tickets. Um, well, so do. we have uh, CIPR National AGM. So if you're a member, please do come along. It's on um, Thursday night in Newcastle at the Crown Plaza. Um, we'll be talking about uh, how we performed last year I mean, you'll see an integrated report um, come out before too long as well um, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the, the forthcoming office move if you haven't heard about that um, and that we've got a fantastic speaker in the shape of Alan Milburn 
who was um, former chair of the Government Social Mobility Commission. And then it's followed on the Friday by the Northern Conference, um, which I have to say a huge thanks to the three Northern Committees who have put this together. It's, it's got a really fantastic lineup. I think there are very few tickets still available, so do get there if you can. And we've got brilliant speakers, so in a real coup for the CIPR, they've managed to add Laurie Bell, who's Director of Communities and Communication for Wiltshire Council. And um, she was first in line to manage the crisis when um, former Russian, Russian spy, um, Scripple and his daughter were poisoned in Salisbury. Um, so she's got some fascinating crisis management tips. That story actually is uh, there's still running. Added dimension to that, isn't there? And you know, further people possibly. No, they haven't. So uh, I think this morning okay. it said that um, it's a, that's an all clear, but okay. obviously still running. It's the, the yeah, story. The, the situation speed. is still very much alive. If you want to market to teenagers, very difficult uh, group to reach. It's worth coming to hear Paul Irwin. He's from um, TriLife. Uh, they they have a very interesting online platform, and um, I really recommend him. I, I've worked with Paul in the past. It's it's fascinating. You literally will want to know more, and you won't want him off the stage when you yeah. see what he does. So he, so he produces incredibly gritty. Uh, content that, that you know engages to teach teenagers thing. consequences because you know their the brain genuinely isn't formed enough for them yeah. to understand what happens if, if they behave a certain way um, so it's absolutely fascinating there's a session by Stephen on AI we've got um, Jennifer Robson from the local enterprise partnership and Mandy Pierce both on the um, local professional services group for the CIPR um, talking about um, consultation exercises and um, public engagement and then we've got a really interesting one from uh, Jenny Field who's a board member but also has her own uh, consultancy called Redefining Communications and she's going to look at neuroscience and how it goes hand in hand with um, internal comms and um, you know how the scientific study of the nervous system shows how company communication and message cut through can be enhanced and how you can help people think and perform at their best if you understand how they tick better. I think that's going to be really, really interesting. There's a whole heap more than that. I'm doing a fireside chat with uh, one of PR's forefathers, uh, Bob Leaf, um, which is going to be fascinating in itself. I in hope terms you of... managed to keep him on, uh, on script. <laughs> so do I. But I mean, he's got some one fascinating of the, stories. One but... of the great raconteurs of our business. Absolutely. And of his time. Of his time, yeah. yeah but um, he's, he's, he's uh, fascinating in terms of the number of different cultures he's worked within, the very, very senior uh, people he's worked with in terms of uh, presidents, governments, you name it. He's, he's been there. Um, so in terms of how do we get the other C-suite, how do management best get their message across, he's really well placed, placed to speak to that. Hashtag CIPR Northern Conf uh, next Friday if you, uh, if you can't make it. And my last tip... It's a bit of fun, and it, of course it relates to the football. I just think if you haven't done already, and I'm sure most people will have seen this, if you haven't seen it, go check out the hashtag Gareth Southgate Wood. It's, it's just a lovely, uh, lovely thing to look at. Everybody's thrilled to bits. I think he's the best thing since sliced bread. He's redeemed himself since he missed that penalty however many years ago. But uh, it's uh, basically racked with things of nice things that he's done, how he's a nice human being, but also um, things he would do uh, that other people should do too. Uh, it's just one of those nice Gareth things. You know, when Twitter. Um, every week doesn't it <laughs> it's probably every day I don't know but uh, uh, it's, it's just a really nice thing and it's just one of those things where the best of humanity comes out on Twitter and you can't say that happens every day <laughs> I think we'll end there thank you very much Sarah thanks uh, how do people find you on the internet at uh, Hallmeister not Wardsmeister yet no not Wardsmeister oh there we go you, you dropped it in yes 
Hashtag I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah and I are going to get uh, married at uh, some point next year. We haven't set a date yet, have we? No, we've been asked so many times and people no. are so surprised. It's because you put spring wedding planned to set the wind in my sails a little bit. Yeah, so uh, it was announced in the Times this week. Uh, yeah, I was amazed you said yes, actually. <laughs> Surprised myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, uh, so not Wadsmeister yet, but Hallmeister. Will it be? I'm going to stick with Hallmeister then. No. Let's see. Uh, At Mrs. Wads. <laughs> Bet it's taken. Haven't looked. Um, right, we're going to sign off. Go now. You just had to, I, we've gone down a rabbit hole. I did not intend to go down, and I'm, I'm trying to climb back out. Um, so, Hallmaster on on the internet. I'm Wads. Um, thank you very much for for listening. It's been a privilege and an honour to be out in in Bled at Bledcom uh, for the 25th anniversary. Um, until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Future Proof Podcast with Sarah Hall and Stephen Waddington. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Hallmeister, that's H-A-L-L-M-E-I-S-T-E-R, and Stephen at Wads, W-A-D-D-S. For more information about Future Proof, visit futureproofingcoms.co.uk. Until next time, see you on the internet.